When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is September 3rd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and welcome to September. The dog days of summer are over. Summer is over. But you know what's even better about September? There's hockey in it. We have training camps starting the 12th. We have preseason games towards the end of it. And then we have the season starting, obviously, in early October. But it's just great to finally have hockey back in this month. You know, there's a little bit of slow times. Captain's practices start uh, tomorrow, actually, the 4th. So, uh, you know... Hockey starting up again, and and life is good. So in honor of that, with this Bruins beat, uh, I had on Mark Allred, who is as nice a guy and as good a guy as you will ever find. Um, he's with the Black and Gold uh, Hockey website and uh, Black and Gold Hockey podcast. Um, and he does a tremendous, tremendous job. And his wheelhouse is uh, Providence Bruins. It's prospects. And so that's what we spent today looking at. We looked at, you know, who could possibly make the roster. We looked at, you know, uh, what's sort of going on down there. A little goalie situation going on down there that we talked about. So uh, we talked about a lot of fun stuff. And I think you'll like this. Uh, it's different than what we normally do, um, but you'll like it because Mark is cool. And I like to think I'm cool. So at any rate, without further ado, here is my talk with Mark Allred. And we're here with Mark Allred. Mark, what is up? Evan, what's going on, man? Killing it all off season, man. This is, I'm, I'm first and foremost happy to be here. Huge CLNS media guy and and Bruins beat guy. So, uh, uh, thank you for reaching out. That's awesome. But um, yeah, I do. You've been killing it with Jack Edwards interview. The two two sessions there. Ty Anderson, uh, Blackburn, and Connor Ryan last week was just absolutely amazing. So keep up the awesome work, dude. Well, thank you. You guys do do uh, just as good a work over at Black and Gold Hockey. You have the podcast, you have the website that does really good work. You guys, again, this pro this podcast will be prospect centric. Um, you know, training camps right around the corner. Last week with Connor was sort of his thing with Sweeney. We're talking some new stuff this week. You know, I haven't really dove into this yet. It's going to be talked about a lot in the upcoming uh, in the upcoming weeks of training camp coming who's making the roster who's not you know they're as far as we know the Bruins are not going out and getting any big name guys they're gonna have to deal with who they got and so um yeah I mean it's funny that you mentioned the Jack Edwards interview and what was awesome about that was I went on vacation that was done like two weeks before it dropped so I went on vacation for a week and then the next week so it, it covered 
two weeks of like my vacation time. And it was awesome because I could just, I had it all planned and it was done and I didn't have to touch it. I just got to let that go for a couple of weeks. So that was, I talking to Jack was really cool. Um, and he's just, I mean, he's a fascinating guy. We'll be hearing a lot more of him soon, obviously with the, uh, with the season right around. But so anyways, Mark, you're a big, pro, you're a big prospects guys. I've already mentioned, um, with the Providence Bruins, give me top five prospects or any five that you could see possibly making the Bruins roster this year, um, who were on the roster last year. Um, I mean, Jackson Nika is, is, it's highlighted by, by him right there. I mean, he's a dynamic, uh, two way forward in my opinion. Uh, watched a ton of games when he was with the Oshawa Generals and then transitioned over to the Niagara Ice Dogs uh, in the trade last season. Um, can put the puck in the net. He's just a good 200-foot player. Um, but I, he's one that I could definitely see making the roster, but I don't see him making the roster. I, I think that he uh, – probably going to get hammered for this uh, this take, but – I just I, I I think that the Bruins should honestly go the route that they did with Jake Brusque, give uh, Jack some time down in Providence, work with Jay Leach, Trent Winfield down there, uh, get acclimated to the pro game a little more than the, the exposure that he has had since leaving the OHL and coming to Providence on short terms. Um, he's going to have a full pro season, so I think he should take advantage of that. But, uh, one thing I I do want to say about the OHL is the, in my opinion, the strongest uh, uh, Canadian hockey league. So I mean, he he could definitely do that with DeBrusque. It was uh, Western Hockey League centric, um, different game and so on. So I mean, that could play a, a point too. But definitely would like to see Jack down in Providence first, and then work his way up. So so what you're basically saying is Stanika probably isn't ready for the pro game quite yet. I mean, I feel like everyone's pushing, pushing, pushing for this kid to come up. But if you look at the roster and if you look at Sweeney's comments uh, to Connor, ironically enough, two weeks ago, it was, you know, we're probably, it was hinting at they're going to stick Coyle as the third line center. And I feel like if you bring a guy up like Stanika and he's not really ready, A, it hinders his development. And B, you have a third line center you can go with. You know, you can rotate guys on the wing. That's fine. But like, you know, as we saw last year, they tried so often to plug these, you know, prospects into the third line center role, JFK, Trent Frederick. And it was pretty clear aside from Frederick, Frederick's fight with Tanev where he just annihilated him. That was awesome. It was, it was awesome. It was clear though, those kids weren't ready. And I feel like maybe, um, the coaching staff there has learned like, Hey, let's not rush this kid. Cause there's no reason to rush him. There's no rush. It's not like, you know, he's this, you know, uh, top 10 overall pick. This kid is a prospect. He's nasty. He's going to be nasty, but there's no reason to rush it. So I've, you know, you watch a hell of a lot more of his games than I do. You would know, you know, that, that he just, you know, maybe could use an extra year, but do you think, do you, maybe he won't make the roster, but do you think there's a point in time this year where he sees time with the Bruins? Absolutely. I absolutely do. And one thing about putting him down in Providence, Evan, is, is the idea that he could transition to a wing and, and be ready uh, down there for a, a, an open position up in the NHL. Um, I, I think he'll definitely get a game or, or maybe a dozen games. Um, so I just don't know where that's going to land. But like I said before, I just rather, I just, I want to see them properly develop these, these kids. Um, I, I'm not the, the new shiny toy uh, leave the draft podium. You need to be in the NHL type of guy. I just, 
there's, it, there's no rush these days. I mean, people Hopper, we're going to talk about Zach Turner and people harp on him, harp on him because he's not in the NHL yet. And he was a 15 first round pick. So yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But the thing with Stanika is, do you think he's a guy who goes to the pro league and transit, he starts as a wing and then makes his way towards the middle of the ice in the center role? Or do you think he comes right up and they plug him in as a center? Oh, I mean, it's it's high when you look at cap friendly and on the contracts that are already on the board for the upcoming season. It's hard to actually for me to actually place him there. I I mean, the only spot right now I could see for him is that right side next to Krejci. But I mean, he's playing. He's going to be playing a position that he's not really used to, and I think that he should take advantage of, or the the Bruins organization should take advantage of his first pro um, his first pro year. And, and and use that little bit in uh, Providence to get him ready. And then if he's if it's a an injury or a call up that they just need a spark, I mean he he'll be ready. Yeah, I think you know a common theme, and and I wrote this a few weeks ago was you know put Coil if you really wanted to solve everything. If Stadnika's really ready, you'd put Coil as the uh, second line right winger and, and permanently, and you'd put Stadnika as the third line center. But there's no guarantee that that's going to work. I think. For me personally, I think with the Bruins, Stanika needs to be a center because if you look at the depth chart they have, you know, obviously you have Krejci and Bergeron now. Four years down the line, you know, three, four years down the line, I think, you know, that's when it's going to start to be questioned of what does this team have uh, at center when it comes to depth? Because, you know, Fluto Shinzawa wrote a great piece in The Athletic right around the draft saying how they need to draft a center because they need to bulk up down the middle um, they, you know, life after Krejci and Bergeron is sort of unknown. And it feels like to me, unless I'm missing anybody, you have Stanika, you have John Beecher, who was just drafted. And then you have Trent Frederick, who I think people are down on right now, but he's still young. I mean, he, he played a couple games. Cassidy didn't really have a lot of confidence in him, but a year in Providence, I think will definitely help. I, am I missing anybody there? Am I missing, you know, JFK, it feels like has been written off at this point. Oscar Steen might be one that's like um, everybody's like dark horse right now. But um, I, I, again, with like, we go back to Sidnika, uh, I just think that he's the type of person, a player that um, has not played North American hockey at all. So I think a full season for him would be beneficial. Um, but no, I mean, I just, I just see that, that center, that center depth is pretty much it right now with the addition of Beecher and so on. So um yeah, it's. I still think that they. I mean, you come into like situations like off season when you want to um, unload the backus contract, and it's and it's heavily talked about. We'll throw a first round pick at that. Well, to me, that's like a you're taking ten steps back in your development when you do that. Those are the types of moves you do with a second and third round pick. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think you know the the argument to that would be, well, you got to win now. You got to do everything you can to win now, and I get that. But a first-round pick seems a little bit much to unload, you know, that type of contract. And again, I mean, if that if if the Bacchus contract prohibits you from, you know, signing McAvoy to a good deal or signing Carlo to a good deal or down the line Krug, maybe then you you consider the first-round pick. But again, like this conversation, the Bacchus deal has been hashed out so oh, yeah. much. <laughs> this off, I'm so sick of the Bacchus deal. I I yeah. like honestly. And I know it'll be one of the biggest storylines at camp is, you know, where does David Backus fit? Who knows? And that'll be a conversation we have um, down the line. 
another thing I want to add about Stanika is he's small. He's not yeah. a big kid. You know, yeah. I mean, this kid is, he's like my size, 5'10", 170-ish. I, I don't know if that's his exact height. I think it's pretty close to that. Um, so he's definitely a kid who could totally benefit from a year down in Providence. Um, so I want to transition this to sort of the prospects who have already kind of established themselves as good prospects. Not that Stanika isn't, but he hasn't had a lot of time down in Providence. Guys who um, have a real shot at making the the Bruins roster this year. Um, I have written down here, Zach Sinitian, Trent Frederick, Anders Bjork, who people forget about, but he was pretty good next to Bergeron and Marshan up until he got hurt. That's his problem. He gets hurt. Um, and Arho Vakaninen, um, who I don't see a spot for, but again, you can never have too many defensemen. Um, is there anybody in that group that I just mentioned or someone you have aside from Jack Stanika who? A, could find themselves in the Bruins lineup, and B, have themselves an impactful year with the Bruins. Um, and, and I'm just going by cap friendly what's on there right now. And I can see guys that are on their last years that are definitely going to get auditions, I believe, uh, sometime throughout the season. I definitely see um, Anders Bjork getting some time. I don't think that he's, he's fully shown everybody what he can do because of the injuries that you mentioned. Uh, Sinitian, uh could very well be Krejci's long-lost winger, that uh, the, the revolving door of, of him needing somebody on the right side it might be able to be solved with a younger guy and not a veteran. Like we, We've always thought that they've needed. But, Cole, I mean, Carson Coleman has been okay in that area too. He's shown some, uh, you know, signs of life and everything like that. He's a good skater. But um, I'd I like to see Zach uh, in a more role this year. Two games last season was not enough for me. And, and from what I've seen down in Providence – I like the way that they work with him. And I've known it's been said on some other uh, um, podcasts around Boston that um, to to learn the game in the AHL, you might as well play bottom uh, bottom 12 because that's what's going to get you in the NHL today. You know, so it's, it's, it's a plug-and-play league, uh, you know, to, to quote some narratives out there. But I think that's the way he's going to get in. So I, I he's got – the kid's got speed. He's got that stride that could just break away. Uh, I, I know a lot of the times in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, he was the go-to guy because of that speed for everybody to feed him the puck and then go uh, north to south. Uh, I, I just think that he can do that at the pro level on a regular basis. I just think that he needs time. And But it's going to be hard because you've got the, the Brett Ritchies, you've got the Par Lindholms that came in here for that internal competition uh, that I honestly believe might – um, like like a person like Brad Ritchie, a million dollars came in here for the internal competition. But if he earns the spot, what does that do to your to your development? What does that do to some of these guys that are on their last years trying to audition for uh, future contracts? Yeah, I think right now, again, I think they're in the win now mode um, completely. And they look at a guy like Ritchie and say, you know, there's a chance he could score those 16 goals he scored a couple of years ago. And, you know, they could be really impactful. A guy like a Joakim Nordstrom, really impactful on the penalty kill and stuff like that. Yeah, what, um, what, did Connor, what did Connor say last week? Didn't you say that he could be that, like, um, that, that um, Nathan Horton that Krejci needs from, from back in the day? Yeah, I mean, I think the way Cassie runs his lines is, you know, you plug guys in in certain situations, you know, certain nights. Cassidy, at least last year, had an amazing finger on the pulse of when to play guys. And and I think that, you know, it'll translate to this year. You know, some nights I think they're going to put Richie on the second line. Some nights they'll put Coleman. It's honestly going to differ a lot. I think an interesting thing with Sinitian is he's part of that 2015 draft class that gets looked at as a complete 
not a complete bust, but a bust. You know, I mean, right after, and, and I talked about this with Marissa and Jamie a few weeks ago, you had uh, Matt Barzal picked, uh, Thomas Shabbat, and Kyle Connor, I believe. Right, one, two, three, right after the Bruins had 13, 14, and 15, which isn't a great look. But there's a lot riding on Sneeshin. Because if this works, if this works, you have two of three of those picks working. Zaborl seems like he's still a Providence guy. Um, so could use some time. He's a smaller defenseman, um, if I remember correctly. And, and the Bruins have two of those right now. So it doesn't seem like he's completely ready for the NHL, but if Sanishin worked, that's two of those three picks working out. And again, like how ironic would it be if Sanishin found a home on Krejci's right side and you have DeBrusque, young guy from the 2015 draft, Krejci, who couldn't find a right winger, and then he finds his right winger in the most unlikeliest of places, which was a place that a lot of people wrote off, which was that 2015 draft. I mean, I think that would be an incredible storyline to follow. Oh, it'd, be of, per- it'd be a perfect story. Yes. But what about what about this one? And if it does work, now does it show that proper development is needed and not always, let's get the new kid in there. You know, that narrative will definitely change. I agree. And I think that, but but again, like, you know, the average fan doesn't care. The average fan wants them in the NHL the next year, scoring 40 goals on the, on the first line. Like that's what they want. And, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of people, including myself have fallen victim to the 2015 draft was a bust. Well, there's a total chance this year that that narrative is flipped. That it's like, no, actually Sanishin turns out to be this, this, this solid forward who is good. I mean, look, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be Matt Barzal. Hard to match Thomas Shabbat, you know, his play up in Ottawa, even Kyle Connor. But if he can be a serviceable second line winger, then it's not a bust. Then it's like, I mean, you could have got better, but you're right. And you developed him. You developed him, which, which is a really telling thing for the, for their development system um, and Providence and how Sweeney does things. So I am very interested in where Sanishin slots in because I think, I mean, I don't think it's secret. They're probably going to push him a lot to, to try to get in, into, you know, the, the, the top 12 up in Boston, because if, you know, if it's another year of not doing that, it's like, well, here we go again. This 2015 draft sucks. So I'm interested in that. And, and then also Anders Bjork um, intrigues me. He was really, really good at Notre Dame. And there's potential there. There's real potential. And, and he, you know, judging off Instagram comments and, you know, commenting to each other, he fits in with the Bruins locker room. And there's a lot of offense, offensive upside there. I mean, he could be Krejci's right side. Uh, he could be Bergeron and Martian's right side and have Poshnok come down. I mean, there's so many things they can do. You know, do you see a guy like an Anders Bjork? Do you see him finally finding success this year? So, sometime this year, yeah. I just hope he can get some consistency and really show that the coach, coach and staff that he belongs in the NHL. But um, with his uh, his waiver priority, he can go up and down. Um, there's there's plenty. Of, I I think there's plenty of time to work with him, even though he's only got one year left on his ELC. And it, you know what's you know what's kind of funny when you talk about the ELCs. I've been looking at Cat Friendly again. Is like a lot of these plays that we're talking about, Anders Bjork, Senishin, well, not Senishin, but um, Steen, uh, um, Sudnika, well, maybe not him either, but Coleman and Solaric, those guys are like, they, they're uh, versatile forwards, so you can like move them around and where needed. So I think that uh, playing more than just one position is going to get them more opportunities to get into the lineup in certain situations. So 
that might also play another role. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know if there will be a set answer coming out of camp. I don't. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, Sinitian blows people away and he's the second line right winger from game one to game 82. I think it's going to be a lot of Cassidy trying people out. Some guys are going to click for 10 games. And they're going to start to fall. It's, I just have that feeling it's going to happen again. And, and maybe there's, issue. yeah. And I think at some point, you know, cause again, like when Trent Frederick was brought up, he was on the bench in third periods. You know, he wasn't taking a lot of defensive zone draws. Um, there wasn't a lot of confidence and Cassidy has a, a long leash with these prospects. It's not like we have Claude Julian here who, you know, you know, guy makes a turnover. He's, if he's under 25 years old, he's off the ice. Right. So, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot to be desired. And I think that there's going to be a lot of plug and play and it's going to be what clicks, what sticks, what works. I think I like Coleman has a leg up on a lot of these guys. You know, he, he, he played in, in uh, you know, in the playoffs here and there had the goal in game six against the, against the blues which was really nice. So I think that he's a guy who could, who, who, you know, they're going to be looking towards that's, you know, on the second line with crazy. Um, there's just a lot of questions. You know, the fourth line I think is set. I think it yeah. then comes down to the third line and the right wing slot on Krejci's line where you have openings, you know, I, Dan Heine, I'm not going to sit here and say, I think Dan Heine has a spot on the third line, but when Sweeney mentions the internal competition among young guys, I think he means he's talking to guys like Dan Heine yeah. who, and you know, they think that his ceiling is a little higher. And I would agree. I think Heine totally has a higher ceiling than we've seen the past couple of years. So to get him going to get him fired up, I think you absolutely have to have these guys gunning for his spot. Um, so with all that said uh, on that front, I want to get into the goalie situation. Um, obviously, there's no goalie issues in Boston right now. You have Rask, you have Halak. I'm not someone who thinks, you know, I've had this debate a lot. I'm not so sure, you know, I'm not 100% all in on Halak being the guy he was last year. He's a little older, a little inconsistent. We'll see with that. My my jury's out on that. But everything's fine right now. However, Rask has two years left on his deal. So 2021-22, he's a free agent. Got to start thinking ahead of the curb. Who's the next guy? Now, doesn't ha- there does not have to be an answer in Providence right now. But let me ask you, is there someone in Providence right now who you say – I could see him as Rask's replacement in two years if if they didn't re-sign him, which I don't know if they actually will, but who knows. I, I do, um, and his name's Kyle Kaiser. Uh, I, I, I'm a huge Philadelphia fan. Um, I still need to see more from him, um, more of a maturity level, per se. Uh, but uh, Kaiser just checks all the boxes, uh, agility, athleticism, um, and, and overall, like, the way he plays the game or brings the game to himself. It's just, it's, it's a, our, us goaltenders are wacky people, you know? So, but I mean, he just, he goes out of the, out of the ordinary to make a, um, a spectacular save and uh, very square to the puck, um, follows the play really well, gets down low um, and is good down low for an average size goaltender. But I was like one of those really tall goals, six, three types, prototypes. Well, um, well, Kaiser is, uh, I think, a 6'1", uh, 5'9", 6'1", something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't believe in the whole three-headed monster right now that it's, it's, it's flying to be with the, uh, the signing of 
Maxine Massey for a one-year two-way deal. Um, Vladar and, and Kaiser up in Providence, I don't, I don't think that's going to work because uh, you don't want developing goalies sitting on the bench or doing a, uh, a three-game rotation when you, when you play in three games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I believe somebody's going to go down. Um, fortunately, the way I'm hearing things, I, I'm, it could be Vladar that goes down to Providence. I mean, Atlanta to get some work. While they uh, while they work on the the higher upside Kaiser, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, look. I'm, I wasn't a goalie playing; I was a defenseman, so I have every right to criticize and to, to analyze defensemen. I'm not a good at, at analyzing goaltenders. A lot of things I look at and see and go, "That's actually." People go, "That's completely normal," and I'm like, well, "I have no idea." So, um, the thing that that intrigues me: a lot of people were high on Kaiser uh, after development camp, um, and it seems like nobody really knows. I know that, you know, the last prospect I can remember the Bruins had in net, um, who people were kind of high on and they aren't anymore was Zane McIntyre. Um, he came up to in that, I forget what season it was against the Rangers and it was hell. It was just, he was not ready and he really hasn't emerged from that yet. What's sort of the state with, with him right now? Oh, he's gone. He's with Vancouver. Signed, uh, I believe, a one-year deal with Vancouver. I missed and, that. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. And uh, but the Providence Bruins will probably see him um, a couple times a year because I don't think he's going to be in Vancouver. I think he'll be in Utica in the American Hockey League because last season in the A, I I didn't see the effort that I saw the year prior from Zane. I think that um, Zane's ship was self, uh, sailed pretty much. The beginning of the year, knowing that um, there were there were prospects and people, uh, players that were just higher in the chain than him. So this ultimately kind of kind of split the ways. Well, it has to be tough, I think, for a lot of goalie prospects who come into an organization and there's an established number one goalie who you really are not going to outplay to 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 beat. I mean, it's not a Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe situation. Right. Uh, it's you're not beating out Rask. You're probably not beating out Rask. And and if you have the chance to, you're probably going to get traded away for, for picks. I mean, what's ironic is, and I found this sort of weird by the Florida Panthers, they have the 15th overall pick, or was it the 14th? It was my, it was third. It might've been the third, it, 14th, 14th overall pick in this past draft. They draft, uh, was it Spencer Jared Knight? Knight? Spencer Knight, the goalie Spencer Knight. Yeah. I get Jared Spencer mixed up. Um, so they draft him. Great goalie who the draft analysts are comparing to Carey Price, and less than a month later, they're signing Sergey Bobrovsky to this huge long deal. And I'm like, I know goalies take a while to develop, but I mean, he he should project to be ready for the NHL about halfway in between that Bob when in that Bobrovsky deal, and you got those two guys interchanging play. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work. So um, it's I feel like it's a different way of development with prospect goalies just because if you have a guy established there it's hard to get that other guy you know ready for the ready for the nhl so who really knows um when you, I, evan real quick when you talk about freaking prospect goalies it's it's so hard to pick and I, I, I know the narrative tough, but there really isn't a starter in my opinion in providence in the american hockey league anymore there's not that one guy that they always go to because they run on a three-game weekend schedule only i know this year they're going to be involved some wednesdays but it's it's pretty much a two to one. So at the end of the season, a guy might have thirty five games, 
and one guy has 28. That that to me is not like a blown away stat. Like you're you're playing 68 out of out of 68 um, 62 games. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it's more of a two to one. I, I just don't believe the whole prospect goaltenders always have to be playing. Like you do not want a person like Kyle Kaiser to come up in the NHL right now because you know what he's going to do? He's going to sit on the bench and do nothing but practice. Practice is not enough for development. So, yeah, I agree with you there. You got to be in games. You got to be playing. Um, is there one um, before we end the prospect talk? I want to end on a different subject um, than this. But before we get to that, um, is there an under the radar prospect that that we haven't mentioned? that has a good chance at making the Bruins this year, kind of like a Connor Clifton, because no one really saw the Connor Clifton thing happening. Is there someone like him, you think? I'll give you this, I'll give you this chance to project someone, to, to put your money on somebody that maybe might, we're not thinking and we're not talking about, and then when that person comes up in stars, you can refer back to this podcast and go, look, I freaking called it. Is there someone on that roster? There might not be, but if, is there somebody who you look at and go, I can see them making it? All right, so I'm more of a realist, my friend. You probably know that, but uh, yeah, very, very logical. I like it. But um, with uh, injuries coming up, uh, obviously the the um, I got to gravitate to your hope back and iron. I think that he's going to be the one that gets the the spot first out of everybody, just because of the the injuries that potentially could be happening with LTIRs. And he could be that next Connor Clifton, the guy that comes in and, and, and shows the organization that he wants to stick around. And, and by that, got a sweet three-year deal. So um, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, got my, I have my money on him just by the way everything's lining up uh, on October 3rd, is it? I believe so. I don't I think so, too. I think it's early. So before I let you go, obviously, fun prospect talk. I was trying to think of something – that we disagree on vehemently. We'll do this quick because I, I I like to kind of keep things in a short time frame. I think back to June, and this is a, a topic I didn't want to bring up, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. Um, the fan banner captains, which is so stupid, but it's it's one thing that I think we disagree on. Um, you were a big proponent of only Bruins players or ex Bruins, not real Bruins players, but ex Bruins as fan banner captains. I'm someone from the belief of. Have anybody do it from any of the teams they cross promote? What is it to you? Why? What are the benefits? And it's so funny. It's a fan banner cap that nobody even cares. But we, we, I like to talk about these things. What's the benefit in your eyes of just Bruins, uh, just ex Bruins players being fan banner captains? It's it's your respect to your alum, alumni, the guys who who pretty much paved the way to to all these great players we see on the ice today. And I think respecting those people should be above another sport. And I, I understand that they go that the Bruins go to the to Fenway and Gillette and do their thing too, which is which is fine. It's just in my personal opinion, I just like to keep it real. You know what I mean? If the Patriots want to do something like that, they should bring back like Grogan or 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 that the other guy on that ninety eight uh uh who's oh, Zolak, you know what I mean? You know, it, just oh. bring back those people and I don't know. It's just and I, I, it's just because Boston, Boston, the Boston Bruins to me are, are the lowest ranked. I mean, right now out of everybody, yes. it's, it's just, it's, it goes football, it goes baseball and, or basketball, whatever. And that's hockey. So it's just, I just don't like seeing some, another team come in there and, you know, try to take it away from us. Yeah. I mean, I think the <laughs> thing, yeah, no, I agree. I think the thing with the Bruins is 
they are a the hockey's still a niche, a little bit of a niche in Boston. I think the Bruins have me. I think, you know, you look at the Bruins and the Celtics because this was for so long, Boston was a baseball town and then Brady came along and it was football. So they're kind of one and two. It's then the Celtics and Bruins battling for, um, for third and fourth. Basketball is bigger and more popular, kind of, but the Bruins have a more diehard fan base. You know, the Bruins fans, it seems they care more. There's more of a, a, de- a desire, you know, if they, if they, they hate the team, they hate the team. And if they, if they love the team, they absolutely love the team. So it's more of a niche fan base, diehard fan base. It's a big fan base, but the Celtics yeah. fan base might be a little bit bigger. They're just not as into it, but they, yeah. you know, they might watch a game or two extra. The Bruins actually, though, were, I think, beating Celtics in ratings down the stretch. Um, oh, I like the season. that. So, I mean, that's a good sign. Um, my thing with the fan banner thing is I, I always just like having other, um, players there, cross promotion, maybe getting some football people to pay attention to hockey. I, I mean, I don't think that Rob Gronkowski waving a banner is going to make someone watch an entire game, but you never know. So that was sort of my opinion on that. Again, I'm so glad the fan banner captain thing is over that we don't have to worry about that <laughs> until next year because Sitting there, like sitting there before games, it would be, you know, people going, I know who the fan banner captain is. I know oh. who it is. I know who it is. And I'd be sitting the there like. The Thomas thing was absolutely hilarious. Oh, that, well, the big, the most outrageous was the David Ortiz thing. Yeah. That was, he had just <laughs> shot. So the guy is like three days removed from almost dying. And right. they're like. I'm going to make it there. He might make it. He might get there. And uh-huh. I, I would, people were saying how maybe they'd get a video from the hospital room. Who, who gets paid enough to walk into that hospital room and go, Hey, David, could you say let's go Bruins into the camera really quickly? I, that, th- that was the craziest thing to me was the, the Ortiz thing. The Thomas thing would have been cool, a hundred percent, but it, that was never going to actually, I didn't no. think. It so uh, I, it's, I'm just, that was the, maybe the most annoying uh, storyline from this past fall was like, you know, a player would wear like a Bruin, like the Patriots were having, uh, I think like OTAs during the cup final and people would like a player would wear a Bruins cap and they'd be like, he's going to be the next banner captain. He, <laughs> it's him. And, yeah. and like, who cares? They're waving a flag. So you know, the, the only thought about that whole thing, Evan, what? But- when it really mattered, NBC didn't show it. <laughs> I know. Well, did they? Re- well, because I was always down filming it because it it did pretty well on Twitter. I didn't see yep. it on my because uh, I always have the game up to GIF it. So I never, I don't watch the game on my laptop, obviously, but I have it up so I can see what's on it. But they didn't show the they didn't show the fan banner captain. No, I saw it on your <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could provide some service for people. Exactly. No, I, that whole thing was, I mean, it happens every year. It'll happen next year. It's just, it's, it's like fan answer, you know what I mean? Thinking about it makes my head hurt. Like, that's <laughs> one of those things where it's just like, whatever. As, but, as bad as the Bacchus conversations all summer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's it's that it's it's like very close. At least the backus conversation is like applicable to the team. Yeah. Who wears a, a, a banner before the game that has <laughs> zero outcome on the game? I just I don't know that whole thing. I just wanted to bring it up. I don't know why I brought it up because that's it, all right, man. It's my head hurt. Honestly, it does. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I miss those the playoffs. I miss you know all that fun stuff. Obviously, not the outcome, but um, yeah, no it. 
summer's here. Summer's over pretty much, and training camp is a few days away. And uh, prospects challenge next week. Prospects challenge, all that fun stuff. I- yeah, I'm all excited, and everybody can follow uh, all Providence Bruins stuff over with you at blackandgoldhockey.com and then Black and Gold Hockey Podcast as well. That's every Sunday, correct, right? Yeah, well, we transition into uh, week weekday shows because uh, my wife has pretty much set the tone on that one. So, <laughs> uh, not we're trying, yeah, we're trying to buy a new house and so on, so we're, we're, we want to spend a lot more time together on the weekends and do all the hockey things uh, after my regular 40 and uh at night so we're, we're plugging away so yeah, we got a lot of things coming up got a new podcast coming out so yeah so you guys grind harder than anybody and you guys work your absolute asses off and you guys do an amazing job i as i say to you all the time when i want to know about prospects i go to you guys because i mean i don't i don't follow it as much as love, i should man. it's a labor of love yeah. and we absolutely love doing it so and and thank you for the kind words that really means a lot yeah no you got everyone loves you guys it's so funny i always when I got this podcast, I remember thinking like, oh, you know, like if it was anybody else, I'd go at him and, and I'd tear him down. It would, you know, be rivals. And I'm like, no, Mark's too nice a guy. They're too, they're just too good of people over there. And I like them personally. And the other thing is they're not a lot of Bruins podcasts. We all sort of, if we all pump each other up, we all get listened to. So why yeah. would anybody? I'm a big fan of passing anything that I listen to that's good, especially Bruins content. I'm constantly retweeting everything I can find. So yeah, honestly, because there's not a lot of, I mean, there's there's us two podcasts, there's Skate Pod, there's the one, and I, blanking on the name that um that guy Chris Mancuso does, um uh, Big Bad Bruins podcast. Big Bad Bruins, that's another uh, Bruins podcast. They just got done episode four. Definitely listen to those guys. And then Marina's Morning Skate yeah. is, just started back up. That so there's, there's five. So there's five for this season. And you know what? One for every day of the week. There exactly. you go. We have no more room for podcasts, but those are the five we're going with for the whole year. So um, us media is listening. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> us first. And then yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyways, Mark, thank you for your time and joining. And I hope everyone goes and follows you guys because you guys are the bomb.com. Awesome. Thank you very much, Evan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. And anyways, for everybody at home, for CLNS Media, I am Evan Marinovsky, and you guys have a tremendous start to your September. Yeah.